Hello and welcome to Get Informed America, the show that breaks through the mainstream media box to bring you real smart news. Hi, I'm Dave Odenquist, and joining me is the smartest man I know who also happens to be the editor of InformedAmerican.com, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Good to be here. Now, Rodney, as, uh, as we've discussed here on the show, you are in the Houston area. Uh, so could you give all of us an update on, uh, on the hurricane that, that kind of blew near you? Did you guys, uh, was there any damage? How, how did you guys make out? It was, uh, it was windy, not much, 20, 25 mile an hour wind. Uh, wasn't bad. We're halfway between Houston and Galveston. So kind of, you know, where you would be worried. Uh, Galveston Bay is a couple of miles as a crow flies. Uh, but you watch it and you prepare. And so that's the thing. You know, you, you bring in the patio furniture, you get stuff in the garage, you batten down what you need, you check everything, uh, you make sure you got water, you make sure you got uh, fuel for the generator, lots of food, maybe a little alcohol. And uh, we yeah, even made reservations. <laughs> well, we, we, we did, we have a little something, but uh, we even made a reservation uh, 50, 60 miles to the west yeah. in case we decided to evacuate. Uh, didn't have to. And so we were very lucky. Um, so, you know, certainly you feel for the people where it hit, but it yeah. hit an area that is much less densely populated, uh, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, certainly for all the, all the, I mean, I saw just some of the, some of the graphics and the pictures of the, of the flooding in some places and some places it was, you know, about over 10 feet, uh, yeah. in some neighborhoods. And that's, uh, that's very devastating. And that's actually something, uh, uh, you went through with uh, hurricane Harvey, right? A couple of years back. Yeah, yeah, we lived here at the time, and so we we lived through fifty inches of rain, Jeez. and uh, what it means, and so you know, it's just something you deal with when you live on the coast. Yeah, but I got to tell you, uh, before we move on, uh, the thing that struck me about all this because I grew up on the Gulf Coast, and so been through you know hurricanes, and and you prepare, you leave, you don't yeah. stay if things are going to be horrible. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I was struck by the Weather Channel, who's come up with a new way of describing a storm surge as unsurvivable. Hmm. <laughs> I, th I think there's a way to survive a storm surge. Float. Like, <laughs> well, float. And so I just, I heard that. I thought, I, I can't believe they're doing this. And clearly they sat around in a room looking for a term that would be cool sounding. Yeah. And it's like, you know, fatal is a word. Fatal works. <laughs> But nope, we're now unsurvivable. Well, what's the criteria there? Like, for example, if you're just sitting like inside your house and then this, like a 10-foot surge rushes through your house, is that what they mean by unsurvivable? What's, what's the... I, I think they meant uh, over six feet. Okay. But, but there again, it had to be over six feet and you were tied to the ground for goodness sake, right? <laughs> you have to be tethered. You could all, and as you said, just leave, uh, right? And so that, that, that is the most, that's the way, that's a guaranteed way of at least surviving the hurricane is, if, is by getting out of the way of the darn thing. And, uh, but it is, it is a tough decision for a lot of people. And, um, and the problem too, I think, um, for, for, for my time living here in, in the Tampa area is, is the amount of false alarms. Um, people just get, they're just numb to it, you know, and I think, and even longtime residents are like, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not going to be anything. And then, you know, of course, it's eventually uh, the bad one hits and, and you get devastation. So, well, and, and unfortunately here, what we have is a population issue where there are so many people like in Harvey, uh, where if you wanted to leave from my particular area, you couldn't, you were yeah. literally on the road going nowhere uh, <laughs> because everyone north of you was doing it at the same time. And so it was a, uh, it was difficult. Yeah. Well, uh, well, good to hear, at least for you, Rodney, and you, you yep. and your family, you guys are okay. Uh, so that's always a positive thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. 
I'm always concerned. <laughs> uh, and, you know, because you do. You, everybody sort of knows someone in some area and some disaster tends to strike. And we always, we always hope for the best for everyone. Uh, so, and so we just keep our fingers crossed until, uh, until this hurricane season uh, ends and then we move on to whatever else is going on. Uh, yeah. and one of the things that's been ongoing, and I don't even know if you want to, this is sort of a disaster in another sense, which is the ongoing protests, Rodney, uh, as we're seeing them in Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what day, what day count we're at in Portland. Uh, I think we're, we're nearly nearing the 90 day count of, yeah. uh, of menace, protesting, violence, rioting, uh, arson, all that stuff. Uh, and all of this is uh, starting to have, potentially political consequences and a story here from reformedamerican.com rodney that you wrote uh title here portland mayor asks protesters to stop because they're helping trump now that's uh i mean good on him to ask them to stop uh but anyway there's a quote here by wheeler says this is a political point so it's a little out of uh so it's a little out of field i don't think for a moment that if you're participating in this activity that you are not being a prop for re-election campaign of of donald trump because you absolutely are you're creating the b-roll film that will be used in ads nationally to help trump during this campaign if you don't want to be part of that then don't show up well you know ted if you got control of your city there wouldn't be any b-roll film and rodney what do you think of this being the priority of the mayor apparently rather than uh using his responsibility as a public servant to keep order and and, and calm in the streets i think it's disappointing uh but i (laughs) thought he was disappointing for months because he didn't say hey you know if you show up you're going to be arrested because you're destroying private property or you're destroying public property or you're blocking traffic flow or any of the other things and we didn't even get to you are shooting mortar rounds at police and shining lasers in their eyes. And so I, I, um, I don't understand uh, how the people of Portland can think that this is good uh, and, and want this to continue. But clearly he is their elected official. Right. And what I haven't seen is widespread calls for his recall uh, for failing to perform the duties. And so dereliction of duty would be pretty easy to, to prove here. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You did not inform, tell the police to go do this. You didn't give them a directive. And so for him to fall all the way to, hey, you shouldn't do this because you're going to help Trump, seems like a really long way from what his job is, right? And yeah. so if he doesn't like Trump, got it. You know, everybody's got their opinion. You want to tell people that, you know, it helps hurts. So that's great too. But do your job first and then come back to this. So am I, am I correct in reading this, that, it, that Ted Wheeler would let his city burn to the ground if he thought it would hurt Trump? Well, <laughs> Is that the calculation? I'm not going there. <laughs> I mean, um, how else do I, I – mean, I mean, we got the, we got the positive. What's, what's the flip side here? Uh, and and I, I do I, – you know, I have to wonder. I mean, you know, I'm, not that – I mean, I don't want to put completely that blame on there, but, you know, turning a blind eye, letting things go – uh, you have a responsibility regardless of who, what, what's going on in the election. And uh, I, I just don't understand this. Uh, we, we heard this from uh, uh, similar comments from Don Lemon from CNN saying, now the rioting is showing up in the polls. It's exactly the same point. Don't, you know, come on, guys, this might help Trump. Not, you know, uh, how about don't burn your city down? Don't, uh, you know, assault police officers and all this stuff. This is, this is kind of unpopular, so maybe. Uh, but in the beginning, it, it was popular, though, Rodney. Uh, uh, polling showed that uh, support for BLM, I believe, for the first time ever, I think, uh, topped over 50% sometime in June. And now, now that sentiment is underwater. What do you, would you attribute it to, to this kind of violence in the streets? Oh, of course. I, but, but let's back up there. I mean, 
support for uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter movement, is not the same as support for arson and looting and <laughs> rioting true. and all these things. And so I think the support at the beginning was watching that nine-minute video with George Floyd and saying, right. you know, <laughs> and so I, I think a lot of people watched that video and then, you know, reflected on some other things that have happened and said, there's something we want to change. Now, we can, we can argue about that or talk about that, you know, as, as to what's going on and the numbers and everything else. But they said we want to change. I don't remember many people coming out and saying what I really want to do is go bust into the Nike store on the <laughs> Miracle Mile in Chicago and take some shoes, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's what's ticking people off. And so I, I, I did see an interesting piece that there's not widespread condemnation of such activity. And I think that would have helped the BLM movement quite a bit if they had separated along the way and even today and said, look, we don't just condemn it. We're going to come out with orange spray paint. And when we see somebody doing it, we're going to hit them with the spray paint so you know who they are. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that, that would have been useful. But the thing is, though, they, these things became intertwined. And while, the, as you say, the, the sentiment uh, behind, uh, you know, the, George Floyd's death and all that and, uh, and, and, and police reform, um, but uh, it, it becomes a basically a, an arm, yeah. a, I guess, a, a violent wing of a political ideology, sort of. I mean, they, they, there's no I'm separate- not buying it. I'm not buying it. No. Antifa, which is, you know, anti-fascist, which is interesting because they have become fascist, which is you must adhere to our point of view, which is people over property, um, have been around for years. They've been shouting down speakers. They've been rioting and looting and breaking things. Every time something doesn't go the way that they want, they're 10-year-olds with sticks. And so... This is not the BLM movement. These are people that are glomming on and deciding they want to do whatever they want to do. And so I, I still wish that the BLM movement would separate from them when they're in groups and clearly say, that's not us. And they haven't. And, and they can. They can. Because these people show themselves every time they pick up a rock or, you know, throw a, a frozen soda or a can of paint at a police officer. Rodney, I want to let's. I want to. I got a question here. What, to what extent do you believe um, there is some sort of a top-down organization of this uh, violence we've seen in the streets? Because it seems to me, uh, all of a sudden, something happens, and then what these people in the black outfits are there uh, with equipment and tactics and uh, uh, medics and a whole host of things that seem to just spring out of nowhere. Uh, but they, they then sort of act like an amorphous blob where, you know, well, I'm not, Antifa doesn't exist. I'm not Antifa or whatever. Um, to what extent do you think that, that, that there, there are some, there is some actual organization and people are taking orders one way or another. Um, do, do you believe that that exists? No. I don't, taking orders, I don't believe. I, I don't believe there's well, a directive. Organizationally, I mean, I'm not saying military. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a point, right? What, what is the point of, of what they're doing? And the point is to destroy property, to take things from others, uh, and to essentially create mayhem. There's no, there, there's no end game to this. It's people who've been given a free reign to destroy and loot. And the, the wider latitude they're given, the more they do it. I mean, this, this harkens all the way back to the speeches at college campuses where the colleges were charging the speaker for security because people were going to come in and break stuff. It's like, but I'm not the one breaking anything. Yeah. And so um, I don't think there's an organization like that. Now, to your point, 
there's organization because people share information over social media, right? However they share. And, and it's easy to do. You can meet people at such events and then create your own group where you talk about it. But it doesn't mean there's a top-down structure saying, hey, this is the type of thing we're going to do. This is exactly when it's going to happen. You go here, you go here, and this is the goal at the end. I don't, I don't think that's there. Uh, I think it's an. I think it's a gang. I think it's a criminal gang, uh, and it, it's a political extortion racket. And if the Justice Department was mildly interested, they could roll this thing up uh, very quickly. That's my opinion. Uh, but you, you, you disagree clearly. No, I don't. I, and I think it could be ended very quickly. I think in the interest of allowing people self-expression, we've seen civic leaders instead allow mayhem, yeah. and they're not the same thing. And so we're treating them the same way. And what we're getting instead is, wait a second, you mean I can go out and burn stuff every night and I'm never prosecuted? And by the way, the, 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 the guy in Portland has said, I'm not going to prosecute them. And so they're just, it's like, well, I should go burn every night because I enjoy burning stuff. And yeah. you got to remember, Portland's not a small town. I can't remember how many people it is. I, mean, I want to say four, 600,000 people. It's not like everybody in Portland's doing it. It, it's a small group of people that are doing it, but you're going to have that group of idiots anywhere. And if you say, hey, guess what? If you want to go do this burn, loot, and steal, and you know, whatever, they're going to come out every single night until you tell them no. Uh, you are correct. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And in fact, if you, if you do pay attention to any of the police blotters, the people who do get arrested, they are, they are charged and quickly released without bail. And some of those people get arrested at the same place night after night. Uh, thankful, thankful. Thankfully, to uh, district attorneys and prosecutors uh, who uh, have been put there, they basically are in place to simply not prosecute. So it's really great. I love what's going on. Uh, <laughs> but, but remember, the district attorney out there was also elected. Yeah. And so he had a platform. And so this is a lot of this comes back to the voters in the area. And it'll be very interesting to see what they say when they go to the polls the next time. Well, there's one party rule, Rodney. So you just get a different kind of a, a, a of the same person of the party. It's not like it's a choice between a Democrat and a Republican in a place in a city like Portland. Uh, you just get a, a just a different style. I mean, we're seeing this sort of prosecutorial stuff going up. We've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it around the country. Uh, pr the prosecution is now uh, prosecutor prosecutorial discretion is now used as a weapon uh, for, for, for political action. Um, so anyways, that's my final word on that. There you go. As you grimace and cover your head. Uh, so Ronnie, let's, let's move on. Oh, well, speaking of that, speaking of uh, action in the polls, uh, something you noted to, uh, in, uh, in informedamerican.com, uh, Biden doesn't bounce. Uh, where's the dead cat? Of course, referring to that dead cat bounce on the stock market. Uh, the, yeah. Democrat, the Democrats had their convention. And as I asked you, if you watch, you said no. And that may, be, that may explain a little bit why there was no bounce uh, as the Republicans are going through their convention uh, ending ending on Thursday, ending uh, last night here as we're sitting here on a Friday. Uh, the question remains, will, pre will, the, will President Trump get a bounce? Will we see what, what basically the, here we are, Rodney, nearly into September. Um, uh, what, what do you expect? Do you expect to see an RNC bounce or do you, do you imagine it just to be muted just like the DNC? Nah, I, th I think it's like, I don't think the conventions are going to offer a bounce because they're not exciting. Yeah. And so the way that they've been held because of the pandemic, it's not specific to the Democrats, right. uh, but uh, the, the, the Republicans have more pageantry because of the way they did it in different locations. Uh, and so um, I, I, 
I don't know. It, it looked better when I flipped by it, but I didn't watch it. Um, but we didn't get that same rah, rah, really get excited, see the people in the room, want to be a part of it. You know, just there was none of that. There was no buildup there. And so that's, that's the problem with it. And so I think that's part of it. Um, I don't think that the protests are helping either, because as we just discussed at length, um, I think that it hurts uh, the Democrats because it's seen as kind of, you know, their bailiwick of allowing these things to go on, yeah. whereas Trump has portrayed himself as law and order. And so I found it very interesting that nobody who spoke at the DNC mentioned the protests. I mean, not once. And so it's like, well, you know, this is a pretty big thing that people are looking at. It, it's, it's not in every town. It's not in my town. It's not in your town. Uh, but it's something that we're certainly watching. And so you would think they would bring it up. But, but I don't know, though. I mean, now that I think about it, I think maybe we're just making too much of it. And because we know that we know that these things are mostly peaceful. Uh, and there's just, you know, one or two bad actors, po possibly agents, uh, uh, you know, saboteurs. Um, so Maybe we're just making too much of this, Rodney, or or or, or maybe the maybe now that this is spilled into Wisconsin, what people in the suburbs think, and uh, uh, potentially a swing state. I would not want to be in Portland at midnight, standing by that federal courthouse. <laughs> and so, anybody who tells me that it's mostly peaceful, I want them to go stand there for six nights in a row and and kind of tell me how peaceful in a MAGA hat. And uh, well, yeah. and see what happens. Well, so. that's I mean that's just suicide by Antifa, basically. Uh, now the news came out this morning, Rodney, as we're as we're looking ahead, and something I predicted. Nancy Pelosi said joined other Democrats, uh, telling Biden not to debate President Trump, right, uh, because of his skullduggery and his underhanded tactics. Uh, and uh, he's just a bad guy, and it would be beneath Joe Biden to debate the president, a man who has debased the, the office of the presidency. What do you think? I said there won't be debates, or at least Biden would try to get out of them. That seems to be coming true. What do you think? Are we going to see debates, or is he going to try to uh, try to skulk out of it? I think he'll debate uh, because Joe Biden uh, believes in Joe Biden. I mean, if he didn't, he wouldn't be running for president of the United States. And so I've got to believe that he is uh, confident in his abilities and how he'll present himself and his case and that he will uh, show better than President Trump. They're very different people. And so I think there's going to be a debate, whether or not they should be. Um, if they don't hold him, uh, if he said, no, I'm not going to, yeah. I think it would be a bad look. I, I that's think that's not what it's going to be. He's going to blame. Uh, I think he already, sorry, just to interrupt. He's going to blame right. Trump for a reason that is some, un, some bad thing Trump did. And I have no choice to, to, no question. to maintain my no integrity. Question. Okay. Yeah, he's no one's ever going to say I'm not going to debate him because I'm <laughs> bad at it or I think I'm going to lose. And so for whatever reason is given still, they're going to choose not to. But I think that's going to be a bad look uh, because I, I think enough people are going to go, wait a second. Are you just scared? And and it gives Trump a much better opening. Right. If he if he debates, then he has to prepare and he has to be out there. And, yeah. you know, Trump says a lot of stuff. And so. And believe me, the media would be very friendly to a Joe Biden, not only during the event, but for the days after. Mm -hmm. And so if he doesn't, then he becomes the empty chair. And I think that President Trump would have a field day with such a thing. So. What about the idea of a Zoom debate, if something like that's proposed? I, I mean, that's the lamest thing I could think of. But what if what if something like that happens? I don't think it would change very much uh, because any debate they hold is not going to have an audience anyway. And so <laughs> it's essentially going to be a Zoom debate. They might as well just do that.
Oh, I disagree. I think they got to be on the same stage together. Uh, so you can see the contrast of uh, of their uh, of just who they are. I mean, look at look at one man and in, in the last case, last case it was one man and a woman. Take a measure of each of them as people. Uh, I think a Zoom debate would be just horrible. But uh, that that's my opinion. Oh, uh, we'll see. Okay. Rodney, the FDA approved a $5 rapid coronavirus test that doesn't require a special computer. This, is, this seems like the thing we've been waiting for. A story here from CBS News. The FDA on Wednesday authorized the first rapid coronavirus test that doesn't need any, any special computer equipment to get results. The 15-minute test from Abbott Laboratories will sell for just 5 bucks, giving it a competitive edge over similar tests that need to be popped into a small machine. Uh, and so this thing, Rodney, this looks like potentially the answer we have to maybe getting things a little bit back to normal if we could do this kind of rapid testing. Yeah, uh, you're right um, to a degree. Uh, And I believe the federal government's placed an order for like 150 million of them or something like that, uh, if I have my numbers right. But uh, it's going to help in a lot of places, but it takes 15 minutes, right? Yeah. 15 minutes. That's better than five days, isn't it? It is better than five days. (laughs) Are you going to wait 15 minutes to go in the restaurant? Uh, well, I, I don't know about that, but if it could, well, let's say, well, let's, that's my uh, point. Well, all right. Well, what about school? All right. Let's, let's maybe get the big one out. School of is going to be the thing, right? Okay. You're going to be able to test everybody and they're going to go into their room and then you're going to know whether or not they have it. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, there's going to be some places where it makes some sense. Yeah. Offices are going to make some sense, but the things that we do every day, casually going to malls and stores yeah. and stuff like that, nobody's going to want to wait. You're just not going to go. That, I think that's a great point. You just be like, screw it. I'm not going to stand here like, like a jackass for 15 minutes. And then, it's, it's the know. old hand dryers when the first hand dryers came <laughs> yeah. out and it took them forever to dry your hands. It only took like 45 seconds, but after 10, we're going, what, what we're ready. We want to leave. So what <laughs> it's true. So what are we, and then it ended up being exactly, it'd be used less than what its intent is. But I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? Like a 30 second test? What are you, what are you asking for here? What I want is herd immunity. And so yeah. uh, the, the end thing to understand about all this, which is, you know, what we keep talking about, it's a virus. Yeah. You don't beat, a, I hear these lawmakers say, well, we need to beat this. You don't beat a virus. What you do is you get the virus. And then you have enough people get it to where it doesn't spread like it did before. You still get it from time to time, right? It mutates, whatever, but it doesn't go through the population as rapidly so you don't cause a buildup in the healthcare system. We get influenza every year. We've never beat it. And so uh, what I really want is for us to have enough people, which it looks like Sweden might be in that camp now to where it slows down dramatically. Well, Rodney, they told us uh, 65, 70, 75% was required for herd immunity. And now that number is looking like it could be much, much lower, perhaps 25, 30% of the population. That that seems to be tracking that way, doesn't it? It does. I I don't know the numbers on herd immunity, uh, but I do know that they're not 70%. And so we'll see. Uh, But but we need a couple of years of this. I mean, I don't think we're going to be having this conversation in 2022. And it won't be because of tests. It'll be because enough of us have it. Yeah. Uh, Well, I would just say, though, it seems like New York, New York State, I mean, is brutal. I mean, they did I mean, it just, we know the nursing home story and all that. It does seem like New York State has got herd immunity. And by, uh, you know, accidentally or intentionally uh, having the virus work its way through the most vulnerable population. But at least they have kind of made it out the other side. Uh, and maybe there is hope that, um, uh, you know, that, that this can happen for us. 
One place, Rodney, where you definitely would want to get tested and make sure other people are tested would be to go aboard a cruise ship. And this is a story you had on informedamerican.com. Some, some cruise ships are sailing. Would you go? It's a really interesting question. And we know, we know the history. Uh, was the, the Diamond Princess, I believe yep. it was, some months ago? Yep. That was, just got ravaged by coronavirus. Um, and, and so what do you, let me ask you, well, I've never been on a cruise. If, from the description of people, it doesn't seem like anything I actually want to do. Uh, I don't know if you've been on one, uh, but what, what would you think about doing something like that? Your level yeah, my, my father's a ship captain, and so uh, to me, boats are work. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and so I know that's not the case. I know there are a lot of great cruises out there, and I should go on one. I haven't done it. Um, <clears throat> cruises tend to attract uh, the older population. And so on the face of it, they have a problem yeah. because they attract the most vulnerable among us. And so um, perhaps a Disney cruise, perhaps one of these more family-oriented cruises would make more sense. The yeah, ones okay. that are sailing, they do test people when they come on or before they get on, as a matter of fact, before they embark. And so um, if you test positive, you cannot get on. Uh, they, they mentioned in uh, what I was reading, interestingly, that people who traveled in the van with you to the boat are not allowed on, much less your immediate family. Mm. And so they're taking precautions there. They do testing on board, and then they are running at about 60% capacity. Right. That's really the issue. These boats are earning nothing as they're sitting at anchor. Uh, They need to generate some revenue, uh, but there's not a good way to do it because these boats are based on density. And so if you can't get back to the density that makes you break even, then what are you doing, right? Uh, and so I don't, I don't know what they have to do. I just don't think they're there yet. I think they're waiting for herd immunity like everybody else because I don't think enough people are going to want to take a cruise, certainly not enough people who are over 60 to make this make sense. No, as you mentioned here, yeah, MSC out of Italy, they're running a 60% capacity. Uh, I mean, the economic impact, uh, yeah, I mean, what would you – for 60% capacity, I mean, you got all that fuel, you've got, uh, you know, endless food, but you want this thing to be packed enough so that people just don't sit there for hours on hours with no lines, right? Uh, so you got you to figure a way to make it profitable. And, uh, but looking here, as you wrote here in the story, more than 30 million passengers went on, went on cruises last year, making it a $150 billion industry that supported 1.2 million jobs. I mean, is this, could this be like the airlines? You know, I mean, the, the, can the, potentially the cruise industry, may, it doesn't seem like they'll ever be the same after people change their habits or just, you know, something like Carnival might just die. Well, Carnival might die, but remember when companies die, what happens is they, they essentially, you know, get bought up, assume change for something else. Unless you're a buggy maker when cars come around, uh, you, you tend to reinvent. And so what I think will happen is some of these companies will go under, but other people will pick up the assets in a fire sale and eventually wait until all this unwinds. Yeah. Unlike the airlines, the airlines have a lot of um, uh, discretionary passengers, people who are choosing to go on vacation, whatever they're doing. They have yeah. a lot of business passengers. Businesses have changed the way they do things. Businesses have realized, I don't have to see those clients. I can Zoom with those people. I don't have to send these people to go to a meeting in California for one day and then get everybody home. I don't have to do all these conferences. I don't have to do all these team meetings. And so businesses have fundamentally changed the way they operate. That's going to affect airlines. Cruises, I think they come back because people want to go on a cruise. It's not a business thing. And, and you should be very interested in this because you're in Tampa, Florida. People think of cruises as the boats. That's one piece. The shore part is very important. That point of, uh, of the voyage where they leave and where they come back, 
yeah. people travel there, they stay there, they spend money there, their cars are there. Uh, you have the, the fees that they pay for the ports. There are all sorts of things that go into a ship that size and the people that happens on land. And that's a lot of money for the economy. Well, in fact, they just redesigned the port of Tampa <laughs> uh, with a, a brand new buildings. They, they, they redeveloped the whole area down there. And then, yeah, what the heck? So, yeah, uh, that, the good point to there, all that knock-on effects. But, you know, one of the silver linings, though, as you mentioned, I, I hate flying. Um, so that has been one silver lining for me. I haven't had to fly uh, to any meetings or anything like that. Uh, happy, to do, happy to do as much Zoom as it's going to allow me to do. Um, uh, another on this topic, but related. Uh, on Monday night, Rodney, I am going to AMC Movie Theater to see uh, to see Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, AMC is at forty percent capacity. Uh, I made the decision, uh, particularly after I went to the Mike Pence rally, uh, which was in a room of about two or three hundred people. There was some distancing, and I was there for I don't know three hours or something. Uh, and I consider that probably the most uh, risky thing I had done yet. And to me, I don't think going to a movie is any worse. Um, so I, I made that decision to go ahead and brave it and be that be that lab rat, be that guinea pig for all of you uh, to go there. What would you? What do you? What are your thoughts on going to a movie? Would you do that? Yeah, and I got to tell you, it's probably the cleanest the movie theaters ever been. I know. Um, <laughs> actually and, vacuumed. You had five months or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I, I think that's the thing. I'm be interested, Dave, because I know that you're interested in cleanliness. Um, what you wear when you go to such a thing are you going to wear the face mask the full you know the the, the one over your face but also the face shield no, and perhaps no shield. that gown are you wearing the surgical <laughs> gown when you go or <laughs> now i have i was really nutty in the beginning i have backed off that i think i'm going to bring some hand sanitizer um i've got uh i think i might bring two masks actually now that i think about it because they make uh the ones by hanes which is just like the cotton one you could get this at walmart or wherever it's obviously less filtration but there's going to be a point rodney where i'm like i just can't sit in this <laughs> in this n95 level mask for what uh, it's a two hour and 20 something uh, minute runtime which means another 20 minutes of of uh of uh uh, trailers and all that stuff, unless they're limiting that. I'm not sure if they have. So that's kind of it. Or after I I'm going to, I'm already going to get my popcorn. I may just not put the mask on and say, screw it. God help me. <laughs> if I get it, I get it. I don't know. My money says you get a face shield between now and then. <laughs> just, yeah, we'll see. Maybe like uh, the, the shower curtain and Karate Kid, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daniel LaRusso wearing that. But that way, you know, nothing comes in. But I just peek out and watch the movie. I don't know. But I will have my wife with me. So uh, it remains to be seen what happens. I, I may take some video of that, uh, of my experience, and, and report to, uh, to everyone. Uh, Rodney, I want to do, before we get out of here, something we talked about before we started, was just to throw a random topic at you. And I thought of one, uh, which is uh, the, the NBA suspended oh. playoff games uh, two nights ago uh, over, uh, over all the stuff that's going on in, uh, in, in Wisconsin. They said, Kenosha. Yep. Uh, so, what did you what, what did you think of that move? Um, do you think uh, what, what do you think of this that move in general? Uh, it, is it effective? Does it create resentment? Will it help uh, push change and awareness? Or does it not even matter? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it certainly brings attention, you know, uh, because it was one of the few sports that were going on, and so then it rolled into baseball and women's yep. uh, basketball and uh, some other things, soccer, uh, cancel games as well. Um, but I'm of the, of the mind that if you're doing this, 
there, the, the consequence should be there, right? Uh, and so these professional basketball players felt strongly enough about something going on socially that they believed that they were best served by bringing attention to it by walking off the court. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you forfeited the game. I, I, I am not of the mind that you postpone the game or play it a different day. Yeah. This person left the game in a protest and so part of it is taking the weight of that responsibility, which is, okay, you don't get paid for the game. If there's a fine for you not showing up for a game in the NBA rules, you get fined for it. Your team loses the game if enough of your players are not there, and then you move on with whatever that is. Otherwise, all you're saying is, hey, I took another day off, and I'll see you. Because <laughs> that's exactly what happened, right? That, this turned into... We just took a few days off because we yeah. felt like it and we're going to be back sometime, which is not a protest at all. A protest is when you, you, you bear the burden of the choice that you make and you separate from whatever the activity was so that you, you bring some focus to it. But it comes with, like I said, that back end responsibility of, okay, you know, that, do it. And, and, you know, you certainly can make all those choices, but understand you will be fined, you will not earn, and your team will forfeit. And that's so, I mean, it's okay. That's the choice. Yeah, I think that's a good take, a take that I agree with. And for me, I say uh, it's not up to me to judge uh, th- that decision, I, in, my, in my opinion. Uh, not that I don't judge things, but uh, I just say leave it up to the fans to decide uh, how they want, uh, how they will take that. Um, you know, would, it, will you take it for granted? You'd be like, screw you. Will it, will it affect? That's what I'm curious. I say let the, the you know, uh, just because the NBA is popular now and these guys make millions of dollars, it doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. I mean, uh, you know, things change as, as we see and uh, we can be living in a very different world. Uh, but if it does affect change and people, and people support it and they watch more and they, and, they, they, and they like that decision and the NBA gets more popularity and it raises awareness uh, or affects change, then, then good on them for it. And if it doesn't, well, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so I feel. Well, I will tell you, it's, uh, it's another step in the politization, politicization of all of these different things. Yeah, there's no Whereas escape. It used to be that was the escape, right? Yeah. We, we, we wanted that as the diversion from life. We wanted to watch the football game. We wanted to watch the whatever. And, and, and we chose to do it. And it was very unusual to interrupt it for something political because that wasn't the point. I didn't, I didn't, I don't tune into a basketball game to get your political view, whether I agree with it or not. That's not the point. It's just not the place for it. And so uh, in my world, it's a lot like actors and actresses talking about, you know, anything. Um, They pretend (laughs) on the screen. And so then to come back and say, well, I want to tell you my views. It's like, well, wait a second. Now I have to go through a whole level of vetting to understand if you have views, if you've researched it, if you're thought out. Before that, all you were was the person that pretended and read some lines and you did a great job and I loved you for it. (laughs) And so it's, it's a very different thing. So, yeah. Uh, great, great point. Uh, and, and that, that yeah, there seems there's seemingly no escape anymore from from anything. Uh, the politics will, <laughs> politics will chase you down and find you, <laughs> and beat you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, that is all for today. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, I would love it if you would uh, hit the like button on this video, thumbs this thumbs this up, I think, and uh, share it to anyone you think will uh, will enjoy this video. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd also love it if uh, hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. And after you're done doing that favor for us, I would love it if you head on over to informedamerican.com uh, where you can get real smart news in your inbox just simply by sharing your email. And Rodney, if they do so, what kind of stories can they expect? expect to get in their inbox over the next coming days. 
Well, we'll you know, we'll get the continuing reactions after the RNC finished last night. And um, then it's the first of the month again. And so we didn't come to an agreement or we didn't see one so far in Congress over uh, the next uh, package. And so what's going on over there, Dave? No, I just, I mean, I didn't, that was a potential topic I was going to bring up today. And it's just like, forget it. These, these clowns aren't going to come up with anything. That's just it. And so we're going through the first of the month on Tuesday when people aren't going to be able to make their mortgages, 27 million Americans that are still claiming, you know, continuing unemployment. And so it's going to be tough. Yeah, we got President Trump stealing mailboxes, stealing the mail, uh, and the Democrats are trying to protect that. And then I don't know what, what's going on. I, I don't know. I, I'm lost on all the narratives now. Uh, I'm very disappointed that Congress couldn't come up with something. No skinny bill, nothing. It ticks yep. me off. And that's all, that's all I got for today. <laughs> for Rodney Johnson, I'm Dave Oakenquist telling you to get informed, America. You've been listening to Get Informed, America. Brought to you by the Informed American Radio Network. Please like and subscribe today in order to get new exclusive weekly episodes. Any questions, thoughts, or comments can be sent directly to info at informedamerican.com. And don't forget to visit informedamerican.com to keep up with real, smart news. Until next time, fight fake news and find common ground.